nation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. We have a father in the midst and I need him to come right away. I met him 17 years ago. Was trying to navigate my path through life and ministry. And God brought a father. And a generation that does not have fathers will not be able to navigate into the future. Dr. Hugh will be a blessing to you. He has been a voice of vision, direction, purpose, meaning, balance in all of our lives. Those of, who are, those of us who are related to him. God used Dr. Hugh in the 80s and the 90s to receive young ministers from Africa who came into the UK to birth churches. Churches like the Kingsway International Church, Matrashimolo, uh, churches, uh, several churches that were birthed by Africans and Caribbeans who came into the UK and he stands out to be a father figure in the church in the United Kingdom. Uh, what just humbles me is his humility. Yeah. And you see more of that as we go. But just open up your spirit and I believe this is going to be a great time. Okay, make welcome Dr. Hugh Osgood. <laughs> quite sure what that was for but I think we're better off back there I think right it's great to be here and uh, I saw pictures in that on Sunday first time I saw that video clip that I hadn't seen in years I mean honestly my doctoral outfit really does look stupid doesn't it but that, but then I think they all do but hey it's great to be with you tonight really looking forward to this evening and uh, I'm very conscious of what it said up there about this is about transformation and I feel we're about halfway there tonight and you know, uh, Dami and Gideon have done such a great job. You know, when that picture was up there with the three of us, oh, it's back again. You know, I was just thinking, there have been a few spiritual battles I've had to deal with here in Nigeria at different times. I could go into details. But, you know, I was just thinking that if I ever found myself on some spiritual mountain, uh, the two guys I'd like to be my Aaron and her alongside me would be these two. It would be absolutely fantastic. What a strength, you know. I don't think my arms would ever go down if they were holding them up. So I think that's really great. I, I love that. And, you know, I've known Gideon, as he said, for a long, long time. But I've known Dammy too, you know. I mean, when he first arrived in London, I knew about it. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I love the thought of actually preaching for you. But I can't believe I'm actually preaching on New Generation Sound in Mr. New Generation's church. It's, it's just like, so it's really, this is really weird. <laughs> But I'm looking forward to it. Now, I say we're halfway there because we've really established the principle there is a sound. And that sound is really important, you know. The sound was important the day of Pentecost. The sound was important when the walls of Jericho fell down. They wouldn't have found, fallen down with a whisper. Yet they gave a shout. And that shout was so important. It was the first victory in the promised land. And it was won by a shout. So... So we know that the shout is really, really important. But Gideon mentioned a word which I'd got in my notes, which was perspective. 
And so I'm going to talk about what I believe the sound is. Now, I've been around enough generations. I've been in ministry about 55 years, so that's covered a few generations, really. And every new generation has got a distinctive sound. But there's one thing that's always common, and that's passion. And there always needs to be passion. Without passion, we're not going to get anything done. And one of the reasons why a new generation always has a sound of passion is because when you're dealing with a younger generation, it is actually relatively easy to move from spiritual babyhood to a level of youthful maturity. You know, when you're looking at what John talks about in his letter, he says, you know, little children, I'm writing to you because you've known him, who's from the, you've known the Father, and you know your sins are forgiven for his sake. He says, I'm writing to fathers because you've known him who's from the beginning. But when he says, I'm writing to the young people, he says, you're strong. The word of God is in you. Hallelujah. You've overcome the evil one. And that's where the passion is. You know, I've never wanted to be a spiritual father. You know, God's had to deal with me so much. You know, we've got a book in the United Kingdom called Peter Pan, the boy who never grew up. I think I would have liked to have been called Peter Pan. I would have just wanted to go on. Particularly, I just looked at this and I thought, fathers, I've known him who's from the beginning. I thought, that sounds so boring. But, you know, I've had to come to terms with it because... You know, God's got funny ways of dealing with me. You know, I, I kept saying to people, you know, I, people say to me, I see you as my spiritual father. And I said, oh, please don't, you know. And they would keep saying this kind of thing. And, you know, I was turning this down and turning this down. And we'd had kids quite young and our kids got married quite young. And then the grandkids came. And someone said to me, I understand your first grandson came a little bit early. He was born prematurely. I said, yes, about 20 years prematurely. <laughs> You know, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> I wasn't even ready, in a sense, to be a spiritual father, let alone grandfather. And then some guy comes over from New Zealand, extremely well-known guy, starts prophesying with me, God wants you to be a spiritual grandfather. I thought, oh, come off it, guy. I haven't even got up the father bit yet. So, you know, these things can be a challenge. But I'm excited because I know that every time God is going to release a new generation sound, he actually raises up a passionate people to produce the sound. No passion, no sound worth hearing. You might get a shout for a moment, but it won't bring walls down. You know, but alongside that, I'm going to say there's just three things quite simply, really. First of all, I think with the passion, there needs to be perspective. I also think that you need to have passion without passivity. And we've already touched on that. These guys have already done the work for me. You see, Gideon mentions perspective. And when Dami was talking, he was talking about acts as well. You know, and it's so important that with our passion, we don't have passivity. And I'll explain the challenge there. And then the third thing I want to say is this, that we need passion with persistence. You know, I don't want this to be a shout that turns into a whimper. I actually want this shout to echo down the centuries, you know? I think some of the things that my generation started to shout when I was in my teens are still echoing down the corridors. And that's what I want. I want the shout of this generation to have a transformative impact. You see, this isn't just a, a transformation service because we want you transformed. It's because we want Nigeria transformed. It's because we want the world transformed. It's we want the church in Nigeria transformed. You know, there's been a pattern that goes on. I've seen it now, generation after generation. 
You know, Gideon said, I started working with the, the fathers in the nation. I did. I know them all. I preach for most of them. And then I sort of started on the next generation. And now I feel almost I'm on the third generation. And I just want to make sure that this generation carries the energy in a way that goes on and on and on and is persistent. So let me just give you a bit of background here. I'm actually going to use Gideon because I think Gideon is great. Not this Gideon. I don't mean this Gideon. I mean the real one, you know? The, the one his parents were dreaming of when they named him. <laughs> and back there in the Old Testament, I was saying this on Sunday at Manifold, that, that Gideon wasn't chosen by chance, you know? This was a time when the nation had a major problem. Every time it got to harvest, they lost the harvest because the Midianites would come and camp on their fields. I mean, the devil doesn't protect things. He doesn't come always to steal. Sometimes he just comes to destroy. And that's what the Midianites did. They turned up every year without fail. Harvest time, here they come, moving, camps, tent, the lot of it, squash the whole crop. But there was one person, just one person in the whole nation whose mindset was different. He didn't even realize how different he was. When the angel turned up and said, you mighty man of valor, he looked around, who does he mean, you know? But it was him. And the reason he was a mighty man of valor was because when everyone else was giving up, he was the one person who was saying, the enemy's not going to have all the harvest. It wasn't much, but he was prepared to take what he could and to take it into the wine press and thresh it there so that at least the Midianites didn't get everything. And God saw that. And that's the man. And that's the spirit that we need. And that's where it begins. It begins with Gideon, with that mindset. And God starts working in this man to increase his boldness. First of all, he has to go to his father's house and deal with the, te- the altar of Baal that's in his father's household. He does it at night. <laughs> but at least he does it. And I tell you what, he didn't think anybody knew it was him. But everybody knew it was him. You know, you can't keep certain things secret. They actually changed his name to Jerobelo because of that, that he destroyed the, the altar of Baal. But then the next thing he had to do was to sound a trumpet. My goodness, it said the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he blew the trumpet. I tell you, that was no little sort of wimpy sound. That was a massive blast. And it stirred the people. And they started coming. They came from every place because of the sound of that trumpet. But this man also knew that the passion that in his heart was only going to work if he'd got perspective. And something extraordinary happened as he was beginning to realize the enormity of what was coming upon him. With this mighty army gathering around him, he thought, I need to know that God is with me in this. And he did something that was extraordinary, something I think every preacher should do. I think every single person who's got a ministry needs to do this. They took a, he took a fleece and he laid it before the Lord. And that was symbolic, like, Lord, I'm laying myself down before you. And I've got two questions. First one was this. Can the fleece be wet when the ground is dry? Now, we all need to know that, you know. 
We don't always walk into ministry areas where it's anointing that's flowing everywhere. Sometimes we just need to know the anointing is on us. And that was what he wanted. Can this fleece be wet when the ground is dry? Of course it can. And then amazingly, he asked a question which most of us wouldn't dare. And can the ground be wet when the fleece is dry? My goodness, you know. There are times in ministry where you feel so wrung out that you think, how on earth am I going to preach today? So wrung out that you think, how am I going to minister? So wrung out that you think, if another person comes to speak to me and seek my counsel, I've got nothing left to give. But in those moments when you still wrung out, God is still God. And he respects the calling on your life. And you need to know that, that the ground can be wet, even if you're bone dry. You know, otherwise you'll be a quitter rather than a continuer. And to get through those dry times and to still have the shout and to still have the confidence and to still believe that God can move is absolutely essential. And what that did was to bring Gideon to a place where he knew the level of dependency he had on the Holy Spirit. You see, I know the shout of this generation is only going to have the impact that God wants it to have. If you've got the perspective to sustain it in the face of every obstacle. When people say, stop shouting, be silent. Do you remember that man, Bartimaeus, who was crying out, son of David, have mercy on me. And they said, oh, for goodness sake, be quiet. But he wasn't going to be quiet. And I want there to be something that sustains this generation, a sense of perspective. So I want a passionate sound, but I want it to come with that kind of perspective. Some of you think the perspective only comes with age. I'm telling you that there are plenty of old people who've missed out on perspective. Perspective comes with attitude. (laughs) If you sustain that attitude for a lifetime, age will be a benefit. But it's attitude, it's the attitude that determines it, that enables you to have perspective. I know people that I work with who I've seen in their teens who've had more perspective than some people, you know, decades older than them. Because perspective comes with attitude. It comes with humility. It comes with that willingness to lay your life down before the Lord. It comes when you lay aside presumption and you accept dependency on the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, my goodness, it makes a change. It makes a change. But you know, you know the Gideon story. Most of you know this. He gathered an army. And please, please, please. You know, I know that young church leaders are great at setting up commando forces. We're good at doing the elite groups. But we need some people that can gather the crowds as well. Because there are crowds out there that need to be gathered. But you know, when you gather the crowds... There are going to be times when what you have is a passion, but it's a passion that leads to passivity rather than a passion that leads to action. And I can tell you, you I know Nigeria really well. I know we've got churches full of people with a passion, but it's a passion for personal prosperity. 
that is so symbolized in the Gideon story. It is not true. You know, the first of all, he says, God says to him, you've got too many people here. If anyone's afraid, send them home. And thousands quit. You know, goodbye. But you know, this is not the moment to keep the fearful on your side. This is the moment to be strengthening one another's hand in God. And if it isn't the time for some of the fearful ones, that, that time might come. I tell you, nearly everyone that got sent home eventually got employed in the fight. But that's a bit more down the line. But let me just tell you this. The ones that were sent home were not just the fearful. Because God looked at what was left. He said, there are still too many. And he gave them a test. And you look at it in the Bible and you think, I don't get this test. It just seems random. But when you read it carefully, what you see with this test is this. There were some people who got down their knees. Whoa, I've got the feedback here. <laughs> got down on their knees at the river and put their heads in the water to drink. Then there were others who bent down, scooped up a handful, and as they were drinking, they were still watching. You see, God chose the 300 that were still watching when they were drinking. And he dismissed all of those thirsty souls who just couldn't wait to plunge their head in the water and to drink and drink and drink. There are some people that are really passionate. But you need to find out what they're passionate about. <laughs> we love the preacher when he tells us that if we give, we'll get more. We love the preacher when he tells us that, you know, God's blessed him with this and blessed him with that and blessed him with something else. But if the preacher was saying, you know, we've got some tough assignments out there. Hey, goodbye, folks. There's another church down the road where they're satisfying my appetite every Sunday. Hallelujah. I don't want that kind of sound. I want that shout that sustains. And in the end, the 300, my goodness, they did it right, didn't they? They were there on that hillside. And I love this bit. I do. It's the only time I've actually got a, a, a tweet that went everywhere. It was when I said, we don't need people who can see the dark. We need people who can see in the dark. Uh, yeah, we would just, yeah, it's, I, I might try it again, actually. <laughs> but it, it, was, it was just, you know, I was tired of people saying, oh, the world's getting so dark. It's getting so dark. It's getting so dismal. I thought, we just don't need people who see the dark. We all see the dark. We need people who can see in the dark. Amen. And the 300 people could see in the dark. Actually, what he did was he stood on one, Gideon did, stood on one hilltop, and he had another group on another one, and another group on the other one. He said, when you see me, they could have said, what? How are we going to see you? It's dark. But they knew that everything depended upon that ability, even to see in the dark. And he gave them a picture with a torch in it and a trumpet and the joke is this they hadn't got a sword amongst them but when they broke the pitcher and shone the torch and blew the trumpet and shouted the sword of the Lord and of Gideon 
everyone in the valley below was so terrified they started to run and guess what all those people who've gone home decide this is a moment to come out and enjoy the fight <laughs> but what happened to the 300 this is my third word you see I've talked about perspective I've talked about not passivity but persistence persistence when the 300 came down off that mountain range and were watching the people that had gone home driving out everyone else the Midianites they had an assignment left there were two Midianite kings Ziba and Zamuna and they were going to pursue the kings yeah let, let, let people deal with the the consequences but let us go for the real issues and you know they had to chase and chase and they were exhausted you know they've been up all night they've done all of this and chasing and chasing and chasing and in the end you know they they get to Ziba and Zalmuna and Gideon has a question and answer session with them and they they say actually they admit to killing his brothers and so what he does, he turns to his young son and says, here's my sword, you slay them. And the young man couldn't do it. But Gideon had to take the sword and do it. You know, one of the things we have to do is to be persistent right up to the point where we make sure that the next generation can take the sword and slay the giants. This is, this is the shout that we need, folks. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because I'm absolutely confident that God is raising up this kind of shout in this nation. You know, I saw little flickers of it, you know. I did a research paper some years back uh, for some work that was going on in Nigeria. And it was just the time when Niger was becoming that sort of buzzword. <laughs> and I just thought, you know, if the world's getting that buzzword, what's it going to be like when the church realizes the level of energy that's in the church that can be released? You see, one of the things I'm aware of, I don't know if you know this, but the statistics are that globally the church is getting younger and younger, but the leadership of the church is getting older and older. There's a bigger and bigger gap. And we need to do something about this. We need to do something about this. There needs to be a voice that comes out that says, we're strong. The word of God is in us. We've overcome the evil one. And in time, you'll go on and be fathers and you can be a father like me and still think that you're a teenager. But, you know, whatever it is, we need that voice to persist. We need it to carry. So this is why I'm saying... Part one transformation was to make sure you could shout. Because we need that. This is not going to be a silent majority job. <laughs> Part two of the transformation is just to check on what you're going to shout. <laughs> what you're going to carry. What difference it's going to make. Because God's doing something. Jesus said, I've come to send fire on the earth. And I would that it was already kindled. I take that seriously. I don't think Jesus is interested 
in sending anything other than fire. You know, and sometimes people, you know, will stand in a pulpit and say, I'm the sent man or I'm the set man or something like that. But if there's no fire, there's no proof that they've been sent. You hearing what I'm saying? It's pretty clear what Jesus said is that I've come to send fire on the earth. And I believe that what we're seeing is the, the beginnings of Jesus getting a fire that he's going to release into this nation. And it'll be a sent generation. You know when Isaiah had that moment and he heard the Lord say to him, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? He didn't say, I'll go. He said, Lord, here am I. Send me. John the Baptist, first chapter of John's Gospel. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. God wants to send a new generation into every city and every part of this nation. And it's a young generation, young in heart. Man, you know, I did loads of campus ministry in my time. And I used to be shocked when campus leaders were then parked in churches for 20 years without being given opportunity. When they'd been leading campus groups and making impact. The days of that are over. If you're going to say to God, here am I, send me. He's not going to put you in a parking lot for the next 20 years. He's going to pick you up and he's going to use you. And you won't be on your own. Because this is not just individuals. He's raising a generation. And you're part of it. And we've heard the shout tonight. Not one of us could shout anywhere near as loudly as we can all shout together. And the testimony of one individual is nowhere near as effective as the testimony of a company of people. Jesus said, by this they will know that you are my disciples because you have love one for another. And that's not a weak, wimpy kind of love. It's a robust love that will allow your brother or your sister to actually overtake you whilst you at the same time are busy seeking to overtake them. Because we're in a race. God's heart is that we all go a whole lot further than the previous generation. You know, this is how it works. Generation after generation is a relay race. You should be reaching places my generation never reached. You should be changing things my generation could never change. I'm happy to run alongside you, but I want you to carry the baton. And I want you to be ready to hand it on. 
but I want you to have gone so much further before you hand it on. Oh, Lord, I reach out to you tonight. On behalf of this group of people here and the people that are watching online, Lord, I do believe this is a moment of transformation where you are sending fire afresh into this nation. A passion that won't end up in passivity through self-centeredness. A passion that will have perspective. A passion that will have persistence. Lord, we want this new generation sound. We want it to be heard for its wisdom. We want it to be heard for its wealth of experience and understanding. you are going to end up being spiritual parents to people in your parents generation because of the wisdom that you're carrying and the weight of God that you're carrying when scripture tells us that Joseph was a father to Pharaoh he was younger than Pharaoh but he carried a grace that grace is coming upon some of you. God's doing something. Even tonight, He's doing something. I know, I know we're going to move into questions and answers, and I don't mind that. But right now, I want you to receive something from the Lord. I want you to receive that fire. I want you to know. I want you to know that God is in the business of sending fire on the earth again.
choices seem a little bit random but let me pray for you I see you not just as a worship leader but as a leader I think you're anointed to lead and I think the levels of that leadership are yet to be seen there's just so so much more there's absolutely no way that God wants to diminish all that you do as a worship leader but there's just I think we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg you know and I think God just is he's going to melt some of that iceberg down and we're going to, we're going to actually get than we ever realized don't be nervous about it, you know. When you start maybe in things that you're not familiar with, just, just know that God's hands are on Amen. Amen. 
Zach. You know, when I when I saw you take hold of you are every inch a pastor, you know. You've got so much I hate that. I wish you weren't, but you are so so much. You might be modeling pastoring in a way that nobody else has done it before, but hey, your heart for people, your ability to identify with people. To work out where people are at and what they need is exceptional. It really is. And I just want to encourage you to be who you are. Don't try and fit into someone else's pattern or mold. You might be actually creating the new mold. So just be who you are and just bless God's people. show you his love and his care, show you his concern. I think right now he wants to speak his approval into your life, tell you you're going in the right direction, you're on the right track, and that he's got good things for you and you don't need to be afraid of it. He won't treat you in ways that push you against your personality or take you in directions you don't want to go. But like a shepherd, he'll lead you. Like a shepherd, he'll lead you by still waters. He'll release all that creativity in you that, that is there, but always gets seen. moments where you just enjoy his peace. Sometimes when everyone else shouts, you'll be silent. But that's fine. God hears your heart. It's going to take you from strength to strength. Amen. level of hunger here, you know, it's difficult, I've, I've been with some people who are like prophetic magnets and sometimes I think they turn it on like an electromagnet, but I think there's a genuine hunger in people's hearts and, and rather than me just sort of run through like a sort of, you know, machine, I just want, if you've got that hunger in your heart tonight, just for God to, to touch you, reassure you, 
You know, some of you will come forward and you don't really need a prophetic word because you, I've been in meetings where I've, you know, there have been public prophecies. And I remember one occasion saying, God, tell him to prophesy over me. And then the Lord said to me, what do you want him to say? So I told the Lord exactly what I want him to say. And the Lord said, you already know that. You don't need to prophesy over you. And maybe for some of you, there are things that God's been saying to you. And tonight is just a confirmation. You don't need that word given to you again. It's like an activation moment. When that word that's been dormant begins to come to life. Start finding that fire within you and that passion starts coming out. So if you're one of those people who just feel that there's a hunger or an activation moment, just 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 come to the front and waiting for the moment right now I declare that you activate that word that you've spoken in us bring it to fruition Lord I pray for my sister Lord I thank you Lord for who she is and for what she carries just pray a moment of activation tonight that as she leaves this place she knows there's a fresh fire in her Lord my sister here I thank you be activated tonight in this transformation. I pray for my sister. Father, I thank you for her. Lord, you know the passion she's in our heart. How she seeks after you. But as from tonight, you're going to minister to her first place in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for my brother, Lord. I, I've seen heart tonight, Lord. I pray that you're going to satisfy that hunger in his heart. And in the strength to do those things that you're calling him to, even the things that seem to be Lord, let it be possible. Father, I thank you for your relationship with you, and I just pray for your that you bring out all that of activating people's lives tonight. Lord, I declare that the moment word will come to life and be fulfilled in Jesus' name. Lord, fulfill every word of my soul. Stir things afresh. Give clarity, Lord. In Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray for fresh start, stirrings of your greater just a fresh fire, just a fresh fire. In Jesus' name. I just pray for him now. Oh, Lord. 
Growing Community of Kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing, someone you know needs this. Kindly share this how.